Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. That is right. It's such a good time for the Fizzle Show because we are having the good time. And we are going to make you have such a good time on your commuting, on your running, on your maybe you are just making some dinner. This is not my favorite accent I have ever done. I do not even know what it is I'm I doing. I can't place it in. It's definitely borderline <laughs> offensive. <laughs> it's like as long as I keep it closer to German, it is okay. Right. But if it heads towards maybe a little bit more Asian thing, that is not cool. You know, it is not a cool thing. A knife edge you're working on there. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very fine edge. What's up, everybody? It's the Fizzle Show, and this is a doozy. We haven't even recorded it yet, and it is going to be one of the best you've ever listened to. I'm just putting that out there. Every week, we talk on the Fizzle Show about things that are important and interesting to entrepreneurs, to people who are affected. Really, it's indie entrepreneurs. What I call indie entrepreneurs. It's not a term that has taken off. <laughs> not a lot of surge traffic around the term indie entrepreneur. But <clears throat> I do have to say this is what I'm about. I'm about people who, and we are about people who, are uh, are functioning as creative, as kind of as uh, ambitious go getters, as capable, interested, engaged people creating solutions to real problems and finding out how to do figuring out how to make an actual business out of it right um, and this is something that's happening happening all over the world we've got the internet now and so there's a lot more autonomy that we all have where you can find a way to make your own living uh, whether that is working for clients and being some sort of a, a coach or an organizational consultant or someone who works as a VA for people or an executive assistant sort of virtually or whether it's it's like doing like intense marketing work for clients or if it's for making digital products or physical products being a maker for people there's a million different paths that you can take and all of them are sort of powered by the internet. And what we do here is we talk about not just the tools uh, and the internet sort of technology that powers a lot of that, but all of the psychological issues, the wetware, as it's called, the wetware of entrepreneurship. Have you heard that, Corbin? No. Wetware. So there's a, there's a famous programming book. Um, <clears throat> I think it's something, uh, I, I, think, I think that he coined the term there, but just talking about the wetware of programming. Right. And it's like your brain and your biology and your psychology yeah. is like the wetware of software and hardware. It's like there's wetware. Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> no, come on. That's brilliant. It makes so much sense. Right. You know, that makes sense because when you're an entrepreneur, there's just all these, there's all these questions that come up. There's all these fears. There's all these doubts and uncertainties. There's all these hormones that get, <laughs> get released through your system with anxiety, cortisol and all sorts of other stuff. So, uh, you're actively managing like not just a market, not just a product, not just a product's life cycle, not just the project management sort of application and the steps that are required for you to bring this thing out into the world, but you're you're doing all of that in the context of a monkey suit that was created yeah. over millions of years with a lizard brain that you have to with a lizard every brain day. <laughs> exactly, dude. And I think that's fascinating. I just think it's fascinating because uh, because we want the freedom, 
We all want the freedom. We all want the autonomy. We want the money that comes in with this. Money's just necessary. And we want the engagement and the like aliveness that comes with doing something we care at least a little bit about for a living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, the, the, go for the, it. the crux of this, like for me, always comes down to the idea that building a business is hard on its own. Just like coming up with an idea that people want and then creating a product that they're willing to pay for. Yeah. But on top of all that, you've got to deal with wrestling with yourself every damn yeah. day totally. to like commit, to do the important work, to do what you know you need to do. And a lot of times that's the game right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not the, do I have the, the best looking website design or cleverest blog post or whatever? It's, can I wrangle myself to doing good work today? Yeah. And tomorrow yeah. and the next day. Totally. And I think it's so funny. I don't know when I started doing this, but you know, every episode about like starts with this, like, like this free flow conversation we have about like, isn't it weird we can do entrepreneurship? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and it's like, it's all about the challenges and uh, about the risk, about the reward, about the, the, the nature of doing your own business and and all of the tantalizing, delicious little bits about it. In every episode here, I don't know if the reader listeners are getting bored by this. Like every time, I, I I hope they're like, oh. And then Chase talks about the glories of entrepreneurship for six and a half minutes, <laughs> and then they get into the episode. <laughs> you know? Or if it's because to me, I get a little inspired when I talk about it, even you know, yeah. because it reminds me afresh. Like, oh, dude, yeah, we're not guaranteed anything. We're lucky to be able to be trying this. This is an incredible time to be doing this, um, and. We can do it if we can stay on the ball, if we understand, if we're smart, if we're, if we're paying attention, if we, if we don't put so much pressure on ourselves that there's no way for us to succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, like I think, so I think so many of us put way too much pressure on ourselves to try to succeed. We, we think of success. We think success is one thing that, that it actually, it isn't. It's all these different things. It's like, it, it's like first principles thinking of entrepreneurship is really like so essential, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Three questions that have come up on the Fizzle forums that we just thought like, hey, let's get into it. Steph couldn't join us today. And so we've had these three questions in the Fizzle forums uh, this week. And I don't know, Corbett, tell the people about the forums. I mean, we don't end up talking about the forums a lot, but they're always there and they have always been there since the beginning. Yeah, this is one of my favorite parts of uh, the Fizzle community. The membership is that we have these like really active, rich discussions going on. And, uh, some interesting things come up and we used to do this sort of roundup, uh, podcast episode quite a while ago. Remember like, man, yeah. I don't even remember. Was totally. that in the hundreds or something? Can you believe that we're up to like 280 something episodes? It's I don't insane. even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. I just like next time we'll turn around and it'll be 500 and then it'll be like <laughs> thousand or something. It's just like, it's just something we do every week. And it's so like, I can't imagine the amount of hours that we have spent recording these things. A lot of hours. You know, a lot and of hours. The amount of hours that people. 283 hours. And the amount of time that people have spent uh, listening to them, right? Like, yeah. I've clocked a lot of hours with Joe Rogan at this point. Because you listen to five episodes of him, you're close to 283 hours of Joe Rogan's podcast. Because right. each episode's like forever long. But like, and not just Rogan, but a lot of others like Duncan Trussell and, and This American Life and, and lot, like you, you end up spending lots and lots of hours 
with this podcast you, you really that do. you listen to. And so some some of our listeners who have been around for a long time might recall that we used to do these. And if if you guys like this format today, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But what we're going to do is talk about a few of these really rich, interesting conversations that have been happening in the forums and add some additional insights, some free-flowing insights to yep. these. So the first one that came up is from a Fizzle member named Jen, and Jen had this really exciting thing happen to her. I don't know if you remember, Chase, back mm-hmm. in the day when you were blogging, maybe it was right. with Father Apprentice, or mm-hmm. you put your first video out or something that finally got some big exposure, and yeah. what an amazing feeling that was. Remember like what a rush it was? Suddenly oh, you totally. have like you're you're looking at your analytics every day and you've got like, you know, five people checking stuff out and then one day all of a sudden there's like a hundred people on your website at one time. Right. Right. What, it do you still remember happens what that was today. for you? It, it still happens today. Like I just put a video out this week on the new Peak Designs travel bag and it was just the right video at the right time and the internet's like just Everyone is finding this video on the internet who's looking at travel bags right now. Yeah. And I, I, and I, so, and that just, that just doesn't happen very often. Right. It's a rush when it happens. And so it it is. And and you like, I, like I, you don't get to just decide when that happens, you know, no, it's sort of, it sort of happens like what we say in the start a blog that matters course, which by the way, if you're a blogger or a pu- publisher of any kind or want to be, that is the course. The start a blog that matters is basically like a roadmap, a mini roadmap just for doing a blog or a podcast, I would say. Um, and one of the things you say in there, Corbett, is you focus on how many times you get up to bat because that's how you start learning how to hit the home runs. Yeah. You don't make you don't just go like okay I'm going to write a home run today. No, you're like I'm going to write three posts this week. Yes, you know what I mean, or four posts this month. Yeah, that's how you find out. That's how you end up having hit home runs. Right, right. Only when you have that philosophy or that mindset of actually publishing. But you never know when those are going to happen, and and sometimes no. they're a surprise. Sometimes you expect one to be really big and it falls flat, and then right. other times like maybe you have a little hint. And finally, oh, totally. it takes off. And it's the worst when you get in that little like drip. Like, like I know we've got a question we're about to get to, but hold on, we just stick stick with this for a second. Because like sometimes, like you get you get it, you get something. And it start like when you start something out, there can be this momentum that grows. Yeah, right. And then there's like a the honeymoon is over phase, right, where it kind of plateaus. Yeah, and you're not getting quite the same juice, like totally. like sort of emotional energy off of the response you're getting from your stuff. It might come into summertime and summertime, like people just don't engage quite as much in content. It seems like, and so it's like, you just kind of go through this little funky mode. And then like, if you're lucky, you find a way to snap out of it. You, you just go, you, you double down, you find some series of posts that inspire you. And then that inspiration actually is what people are like. I have this theory that is unfounded and unresearched at this point, but <laughs> I'll say it anyways, that like, I think what we're attracted to in content, what a lot of us are attracted to in content is the actual inspiration of the content maker mm, for a mo- yeah. for a lot of us. There's some of us that are, there's some content makers that are really, really skilled and talented. Right. And they don't have to be inspired to make something that like, kind of like gets it going. But yeah. there's something about like when you're inspired and that happens in this time, in this place about this product or this idea. And that, 
just hits at the right time that other people are getting inspired about the similar sort of thing. And then you basically gave them the words they were looking for and they share that with all their friends. And there's just like a zeitgeist. There's yeah, like a moment. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that there's this like, there's this like, if you can get inspired by something, that inspiration kind of comes through your content, uh, whether it's a podcast or a blog or a YouTube video or something like that. So I, I, in the midst of those, you know, the honeymoon is over plateaus, how one, per, how you find your inspiration again, I don't know, you know, well, but also and, it, inspiration in one hand and crap in the other and, and see, see which fills up first. Right, right. <laughs> so in, in Jen's case here, you know, she, I don't know what her stats were before, but on this particular day, she got over 13,000 page views, right? Wow. 13,000 hits. And she got a bunch of comments on here. She said the post got 50 amazing comments. When I looked after she had posted this, it was already up to a hundred. So this thing was growing like fast. Well, yeah, she got yeah. uh, several hundred email subscribers and you know how hard that is to grow your email list initially. Well, actually she said her email list was at 14 and then it grew by several <laughs> hundred. So you know, you, in a day maybe you were working for like months to get 14 subscribers and all of a sudden here, like in one day you get several hundred. Right. So this is, this is a rush and her question, and this is the question like everybody has when this happens is how do I keep this momentum going? I want more. Yeah. I need my fix. Totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what, what, what would you do in this situation, Chase? You've, you finally have a breakthrough. You've been writing for a while. And in her case, the the breakthrough happened because uh, she participated in a Facebook group, and that Facebook group is tied to a bigger blog. And I think mm. the the owner of that blog trolls that group for interesting stuff. And she had posted this post in there, and and people liked it in there. And so then it basically got promoted to the the bigger blog, and that's mm-hmm. where it really picked up the traction and got a bunch of a uh, bunch of visitors. Okay, got it. So a couple of things come to mind here. Um, one of the, as someone who, who, like, I'm, I feel like I, um, like, I love my wife. I love my kids. I re, it's really important to me that I stay connected with them. That's like a, a goal that I, that I remind myself of that, that, that I have tasks around that. Cause I love it when I, when my family has that love thing, just like working, that connection thing just working. Um, but there's this, there's this other thing that's always been there. And that's been my relationship with, you know, I'll just put this in parentheses, my relationship with audience, right? The audience, whatever audience I can get at the time. Sometimes that just means the people around the cocktail table, mm-hmm. right? And, but over the, over the last several years online, an audience has been developing, right? That is a, that is a sort of a group, a kind of a group of people that has similar sort of values and their difference and there's diversity in, in certain categories. But in others, it's like we, we share these same sort of core tenants and stuff like that. And so like there's an audience here at Fizzle that like, that like there's things that we have in common and there's a ton of diversity within this audience, but there's things that we have in common. Um, and the same thing with like my YouTube channel, there's, there's a lot of diversity, but there's the things that we have in common. And there's this a little bit of a double-edged sword with the audience that finds you, especially when it happens immediately and drastically like this, mm-hmm. you know, you're like nodding your head. You know yeah. what I'm talking about here where, where, um, you can get quote internet famous or, uh, get some popularity going, get some momentum growing 
around a thing that you make, one particular thing, right? And now you've got this bunches of people coming to your site or, or interested in you for this one particular reason. Now, they have an actual wide range of diversity of, of the people who have made up those, you know, 100 new subscribers on our email list. Right. And over, you know, 15,000 or whatever it was, people landing on her, her site, right? There's a wide range of diversity, but a couple core tenants, right, that are, that are tying that group together. Yep. And now they're basically going, this is what you're about. Right. And now you actually have to tell them what you're actually about. Right. So one of the first things that I would do in this regard is go like, wow, got a lot of interesting new new people joining. Here's what we're about here. Mm -hmm. Right. Really setting yourself up for like, here's what because like what I'm passionate, what I like is when when a founder is like they're in the midst of a movement. Whether or not there's 10 or 15 people involved or, you know, 20 or 30,000 people involved, they're in the midst of a movement. The movement is, is we are, you know, focused on having a hundred items in our house because minimal values are the, the best or whatever. Or we are focused on, um, we're actively helping women get more rights in the workplace or we are, we are actively helping women understand their own bodies in the context of labor and motherhood, like my wife's sort of thing at mother birth. But like, whatever it is, I like to see a purpose and a passion and a mission underneath it. Yeah. Right. So this is where I would say, what's that purpose? What's that passion? What's that mission? Um, it is like the first thing because I have seen myself how an influx of audience members, um, can you get put in this place where now you're not making stuff for you anymore. You're making stuff to appease them. Well, yeah, it's right? a tail wagging the dog sort of thing. Right? Exactly. And you have to yes. be careful in this situation. It's very tempting to chase this, right? And, yeah. and it can oh, do totally. some unnatural things to your voice. Yeah. Right. And, and it will, and that those unnatural things, those will ruin the magic in what you're doing. It has a potential to ruin. It also has a potential to make it better, to make you be like a big boy or a big girl and show up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in a way that you haven't before, because now you, now you've got a little respect from your peers Yeah, and they're like, Hey, what do you think about this, Jen? And you know, I, I think it's, you can, in some ways, your audience can literally be telling you like, this is what I think you're about because they're leaving comments and things like that. In other cases, just having the spotlight on you might make you act differently. Right. 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 Or just by nature of where these people all came from, because like you said, they all have things in common because of the place they came from. Yeah. In, in Jen's case, you know, um, I encouraged her initially like to really evaluate this and just make sure that you understand how it happened. You know, how, how did the post come about to begin with? What were you feeling? Um, right. Right. Totally following. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and then to kind of look through the whole process and think about like, what, what caused you to share this thing? Was it something, something that you did all the time or was this a one-time thing? And if you had been sharing your posts in the same place all the time, like what caused this one to take off? You know, was it, you know, who did you share it with? Did you tag anybody? Like just the mechanics yeah. of it to some degree as well. Right. To kind of right. understand how this happened. Because a lot of success in blogging or producing videos or whatever is finding something that works and then trying to repeat that over and over and over again, right? Trying yeah. to make that magic happen again. Right. Uh, and 
in Jen's case, you know, you can feel like I've been working for six months and I have 14 email subscribers. And then all of a sudden, holy crap, like this can actually happen a lot faster than I thought it would right right this can right. start to happen so and it totally can that's the beauty of the internet yeah that's like what's at your field but like but corbett you know what it makes me think of i just want to say real quick you know people people don't follow followers corbett that's right people people follow leaders that's right right people follow leaders so that's i gotta right. ask in what way are you a leader and in what in what capacity will your leadership actually steward me into a life that is that is more of what God's calling me to. Okay, never mind. I don't need to go that specific. But the point is, <laughs> you know, the, the the people do follow leaders. You're totally right? right. You're totally right. Yeah, and and in Jen's case, I think it's useful not just to you know look at this on the surface and understand the mechanisms and stuff, but then, like you said, um, she needs to have a vision for her her readers. She needs to have a vision for the site and, and what sort yeah. of transformation is she trying to take people through and, and make sure that they understand that very quickly after coming in. Like you would, if, if possible, follow this up right away with an email to all of these people and let them know like, Hey, thanks so much. I'm really glad you found me from this website. And, uh, here's like the core tenets of what we're all about. And I'd right. love to see you, you know, come along with me on this journey or whatever. Right. No, totally. And, and hopefully like what Jen can hear in this and what anybody else hearing is, is like what I, I mean, what I feel about this is like, how cool is that? Like you nailed something. It was right place, right time. I see this happening a lot. Like for instance, I see this happening to Steph all the time, like just in the right place, the right time, talking about the right thing. And her business has grown to the, to the level that it has because of that. You know, yeah, and that's just exciting. the 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 world of female entrepreneurship to me the, is just <laughs> fascinating. It just feels like there's so much energy and so much buzz, um, and, and it's exciting. Um, and so, in the context of this, what uh, like like and yet and yet over here, so here's like two white men telling women what to do. I guess you know. I well, don't want to hold on. There's there's one white man telling women what to do. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> I'm not joining this party. <laughs> no, I'm saying our conversation <laughs> oh, has okay. been okay. effectively, you know, sure. so I like, like really don't want, like the first, the first thing is, is it's a, it's amazing. The second thing is like, all right, so what are you going to do about this? Here's how, here's how we've noticed things in the past. Take it and, and, you know, put it in your own pipe and smoke it and see what comes out because, uh, because I do think that there's you you want to stay a leader, and I think Corbett, you're bang on about that idea of like go back, like what inspired you to write this post? What were you thinking when you made this thing? Mm-hmm. Right, stay in that spirit, stay in that vein, keep yeah. showing up about about like okay, cool, so new. It's almost like you want to go like okay, so people pay attention to me. So what? What am I focused on again? What do I want people to pay attention to? Because they're not actually paying attention to you. They're paying attention to the ideas that you're helping them access. They're paying attention. Like, again, again, the thing that I went into with that episode with Steph, it's like, you are not Luke Skywalker in this movie. You are Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi. The customer is always the main character, and they have a huge, huge empire to try to defeat right it's that yeah. it's that quote like be kind to everyone you meet for they're in the fight of their life and you right? want to be the one that they trust for the advice that helps them defeat the empire exactly you are the guide you are not the main character you're the main character of your own story of your own thing going on but your business is actually a guide to 
what your customer's main main is the is the main character of yes. right your your customer's movie so you're actively connecting them to ideas and to uh, uh to tools and resources to whatever that is helping them install like necessary apps or you know things mindsets into their life just like being able to do certain tasks or understand things in a certain way whatever it is that you help people with it's them who it's the customer who is the uh it's the reader the customer the audience member who is the main character you are the yoda and yoda is never like "Mm, look at me will like i'm the badass i am (laughs) right it's like yoda's always like just asking questions and telling people how stupid they are (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) you know nothing john snow um so know nothing you do i think you're Um, mixing metaphors uh, anyways, the White Walkers are coming, and I just think we need to get <laughs> all right <laughs> to take it seriously. But the point is that when you get into that mode and that mindset, you, um, I find personally that, and you might find it as well, that like it helps me to think about okay, so so what sh- what good shall I do now? Like, what is the next piece of content that I'm going to make? Right. So uh, I think that's that's where I would go next with this. Is like I got some exposure. Now what? Well, congratulations. Welcome to the 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 reality that like some stuff can happen online. And now it's it's time for like just what you were already doing beforehand. Yeah, more content, more of that exactly. Mm-hmm. But with the awareness that if you get these in the right places, they can take off. Totally. Um, all right. And uh, just, you know, a reminder, uh, and this is something Jen mentioned on the, at the very end of her post, this is the value of getting access to someone else's audience. You know, you have to find right. out where the people you want to reach are hanging out. And maybe it's as easy as they're, all, they're searching on YouTube for stuff or they're searching at Google, but other times it's that there's another site that is in the same genre. And if you right. can tap into that, you can get a flood of people to your site very, very quickly. Mm. Um, all right. Next, we've got a somebody, uh, David wrote that he needed our perspective because he's been writing for a while, uh, and sort of trying to figure out what his site is going to be all about. And he feels like his writing might be a little too academic because he comes Mm. from an academic background and he's shared with people in his life a little bit, his friends and family, and he's gotten some feedback from them that his articles are too dry and academic. And he knows that personally he's a little more fun and witty and, you know, funny. And he's just having a hard time making that translate into his writing. And so it's coming off stiff and dry and and so he you know asked for some feedback i i read uh several of his posts he had only written three or four of them and uh they were a little dry you know but mm-hmm. that's not the end of the world there's yeah. there's some meat there there's some there's something that's really going to be useful there i think the question is like first of all can you make any judgment after three or four posts on whether or not your writing is good enough to build an audience right and Second of all, if if it's coming off like too dry and stiff, what what do you do about that? How do you inject personality into it? Mm. Or is is something that's really dry capable of growing an audience as it is? Right. Right. I think one of the hard things for a lot of people right now who are trying their hand in the entrepreneurship and the like sort of the media online entrepreneurship game is understanding just how how well, there's like a, there's a there's two sides to this coin. One of them is understanding how quote most people 
take in content on the web, right? So there's these like massive trends, these massive uh, numbers of people who want to read a short blog post or no blog post at all, or just like an Instagram picture or just a quick video on YouTube or Facebook or something like that, right? So these huge trends is quote most people thing. Um, there's a lot to learn there that's interesting and can really help you to build your audience, I think. Um, there's the other side of the coin though, which is just like, what you wish you had and what you pay attention to and what you find the value in. If you are reading a blog post or if you have blogs that you subscribe to or blogs you often read, I'm thinking of like a James Clear, right? JamesClear.com, long articles about interesting sort of well-researched topics, right? Doesn't come off as dry to me, but certainly isn't like the the like most exciting reading i've ever done in my life that's right? true that's true R- right so but massive following massive following of people i also think of like sam harris who has a huge mm-hmm. podcast um and a, a very rigorous intellectual and academic yeah right uh the level of dialogue in those conversations are just amazing i remember sending one eric weinstein and sam harris i sent that to my buddy andy and he was like oh my god i can't believe people can actually talk like this right he was just blown away but he he loved listening to it so i see i see a like one of those trends i see are, are people paying attention to um very well put together, well researched, scientific uh, minded, sort of analytical, academic kinds of things. Because Corbett, like you're saying, like there is some meat there. I think one of the ta- biggest tasks of any of us making things online is going, what is the meat here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the actual thing that I have here? Yes. Right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but even when there's steak you still need some sizzle right 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 and and you know i guess um sam harris is is maybe a bit of an exception but if you think about somebody like malcolm gladwell who can certainly be dry at times right right. but he also realizes the power of a story like all of his stuff is based around stories like about this you know about a family or a person or something that happened and he, he always dives in and like tells that story and then starts pulling the, the science or the theory out, right? right? Right. Within that. And so, you know, when I was reading through David's stuff, I just noticed that there, there was really like no examples, no stories here. And so you can be more persuasive when you have people's attention. Right. And if you get too dry and too bogged down, you start to lose people's attention. They start to get that feeling like, uh, there's another article I could be reading right now. Right. And right. so if you, if you get them back on track with a little interjection about, you know, how this applies to somebody or something that happened to you that's related to it, that's got a little color, a little fun to it. Um, right. then, you know, you just snap people back and like grab their attention again. And right. so you have the opportunity to be more persuasive and to ensure that that meat, the thing that's really critical in there is actually getting through to people. But there's also this thing where it's like you can clearly tell in a lot of articles I've ever read, you could clearly tell that someone's just like, yeah, I'm supposed to have a story. Right. So like, let's start with a story Absolutely. and do the thing. It can kind of come off cheesy. But we're, we're back to that idea of, of the, but at the same time, like you're bang on, like having a story of like, like, like if, if it's, if it's laid in there well, it, it, it absolutely makes, the, I mean, no New Yorker piece I've ever read 
like doesn't have this kind of thing going on. You know what I mean? Where you're kind of like interspersing. It's like what are the what are the, what like remember Neil Strauss's The Game? Yeah. Or uh, it's like narrative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. That's the term. Narrative nonfiction to me is like is the ultimate genre of like right now and the future because it's this we want stories and we want to learn. Like yeah. why else? Like documentaries have become so good. Because they're doing it like this, right? And now there's more documentaries than you can ever possibly watch, right? Right. I never watched a documentary as a kid, ever. Didn't even know they existed. And now it's like all I want to watch on Netflix, yeah. right? Yeah, because you want, still, but, and, that, and that's that super powerful thing of like, you want the information, you want to know something, right. but you also want to be entertained or you want it to relate to you somehow. And what is yeah. more relatable than learning about other people's lives? Right. Right. There's right. a reason like that's, all we do all day long is like, you know, if you're watching totally. a film or TV or anything, it's always about somebody else's life. Yeah. It makes me think of again, back to that, like, what's the stake? Like, what's the meat here? What's the actual point? Because chances are the point is something we're trying to install in someone's life. That's going to help them with the real life situation. Right. I just think about like, for instance, my wife and I, we're going to be homeschooling my nine-year-old son while we travel around the world. God bless right? you. There are like actual consequences to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There are real, like there are real, I really want to be intelligent and thoughtful about how we do that so as to mitigate the consequences and to accentuate like the things that are good about it. Mm -hmm. And we do it in a balanced way. Right. So if I'm, uh, it, like, like when you, when you're talking about the meat, the actual thing that you have in your content, chances are it's helping something, or if it's not, it should be, it should be helping someone with something meaningful in their life that they're thinking about, that they have some worry about that's operating some of their mental capacity. That's got some bandwidth cycles, some cognitive load yeah. back there. And if you can help alleviate some of that anxiety, some of that nervousness, right? You can, that's like, that's giving them more access to their brain. Yeah. Right. So that's your meat. So you have this job of, I want people to be able to get the nutrition of this into them. Right. Yeah. Now, a lot of writers, when they start out, they're like, I want people to know I am smart. So I need to find something that's good. And then. And then like, and then like, then I just do these things on it. Right. Yeah, And and if you come from an academic background, it's this whole environment of like competitive dryness, right? right. (laughs) Well said, totally. It's like a sport of, of obscurity. Right. You know? And so in, in this case, you know, we, we started this entire podcast series five years ago or whatever now, 283 Mm -hmm. episodes ago, talking about finding your voice. Remember that? Yeah. 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 And it's which by the way those episodes are still available. The very first episodes about finding your voice of the Fizzle show are super good. Yeah. They're super they're still they're still super strong and they're way if you've never listened to those highly recommend because it's like goes way back like caleb's on the show there's like the intro music's different like i haven't even gone through puberty yet it was amazing (laughs) totally uh finding your voice you know even though we've been talking about it for five years or whatever uh and and others have talked about it for hundreds of years it is no easier than it has ever been and Mm -hmm. It's not just about finding your voice. It's about figuring out how to connect with your audience and connecting with your audience involves not just giving them what they need, but also what they want. And to do that, you need to become a student of good content. 
right? Yeah. Whether that's yeah. storytelling or, or whatever. And I'm not saying it's as easy as just slapping a story into your article, but instead of listening to the next revisionist history episode for the entertainment value, just to mm-hmm. feel good, yeah. start listening to it with the ear of someone who's picking it apart and trying to understand why it works right. and do that for right. every blog post. And unfortunately it might ruin reading for you or listening to the podcast for a little while. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like when you start editing videos, right for a while, you can't help, but notice every little thing that they've done in editing right. a video. Totally. Um, but that goes away eventually after you've kind of figured it out and you can get back into it again. Right. But I'm just yeah. saying David needs to spend a lot of time, not just writing and trying to work out who you are and whatever and how to connect with your audience, but also just being a student of this sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, like you're already, you're already making these, these, this goes for all of us who are in the same spot as David. Like, is my writing not X enough? Not, you know, sizzle enough. Is it not, uh, is it not intelligent enough? Is it not, uh, entertaining enough or is it too dry? Is it too, for all of us, is my content to this or lacking X or Y or Z? Like, first of all, the, 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 the thing I have to say is you guys will, you will get through that over time. And it's good that you're thinking about that because it really is hard to get people's attention. It is. And it really matters when you do get it. So you want your stuff to count. And when you do, when you are conscientious and thoughtful about how you're spending their attention, um, getting them to the point, helping them get right engaged in this thing, making our headline like actually interesting and, and sort of enticing so that like, I'm like, Oh, maybe this is going to help me with this thing I'm actually worried about right now. Right. Then what, what you're doing is you're learning how to be, how to have that service kind of mindset, that thing that will make your thing so good over time. And it's that dialogue with your audience. I think that that's what's actually teaching you over time how to be an entrepreneur, how to write in your own voice. They give you the confidence when they reflect back to you that what you're doing is working for me, right? And that for me has meant a lot. That's meant, that's, they've really, my audience has really taught me everything. And this is across several audiences, right? There's very few people who were around for my earliest things that are still around now. There's still some of them, but like I never hear from them really, right? It's just like my audiences have shifted and changed over time. But the, what hasn't changed is the fact that these people give me the confidence I need to keep going. That like what I'm doing is like worthwhile, yeah. right? And so to to David and to everybody else in that same boat, keep going, keep going, write the posts. There is, for, for all of you writers out there and content people, I still think our 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet is one of the easiest one-pagers you can do, and I highly recommend you do it on every single article, blog post, sales page, podcast, email that you write to your audience, whatever, note to self or whatever, right? Just go to look like search for the, I'll put it in the a link in the, in the uh, podcast show notes, which will be, I think this is actually episode 281 Corbett. Am I right on that? Yeah. Fizzleshow.co slash 281. 
Okay, that you will you'll find a link there to our eighty twenty copywriting sketch sheet. If you already have it, pull it out, dust it off, start using them, print them out, and do and just like have a stack of them on your on your desk. And for everything that you do, just quickly sketch through this thing really quick. There's just boxes with a few simple questions on each one, and they and and you'll be able to get a sense of what is the meat of this thing that I'm trying to give them. What is hard about it? What do people want to be true about it? What is what is like what is the actual important thing about it? What do people normally get wrong or miss and understand about this thing, right? Just answering a handful of these questions will all of a sudden you'll have a much better sense of how people are going to respond to your post and how you can write it in a way that they can kind of quickly sort of, I don't know, bring it into their life and they can get engaged. And then you can, you can be upfront about like, here's what's valuable about this post. And that's really valuable. So the 80, 20 copywriting sketch sheets still, I think one of the most valuable things for David, for any of us who are making content. Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, up next, we have a different kind of mode. Madeline had uh, a bit of a situation happen. A couple of things happened to her, and she wrote about it in the forums. Um, first of all, she is about to buy her first home, so this is like a big deal for her. Oh, yeah, wow. And um, unex- unexpectedly, she also had the sudden death of a friend. Oh, man. And so she's in a situation where she basically just can't deal with the full weight of trying to run a business. And her business hasn't taken off yet. She's in the very early stages. She's been doing customer conversations. She's been going to conferences, been putting together her initial offerings. But she feels like she's at a point where she needs to go into what she calls low power mode to scale back her business temporarily on purpose so that she can get through the grief that she needs to and uh, so that she can focus on getting into her first home and um, really just have the time and space to do both of those. Mm-hmm. So she needs something, um, she needs an easier sort of situation in her life with her business, but she doesn't want to let it go entirely. She wants to keep something kind of simmering in the background. She says, I love my niche and I love what I'm doing. And I love what I'm working towards and I'm not giving up. Mm-hmm. But my needs and capacity right now are a bit different. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is this possible? Can you put a business into low power mode? What, how should we be doing that? How should we be thinking about that? Um, and, you know, to some degree, it, it, it may also just be wanting to talk to somebody about this because this is a real serious situation. And uh, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of feelings of guilt. Uh, over like having been working on this business for so many months and now just feeling like you've, you've hit this really like serious rough patch where you can't possibly keep it all going. Yeah. And, wow. you know, and, and this isn't just, um, she, she mentioned this isn't just a need for right now, but also like, you know, being able to do this in the future when the need arises, uh, maybe health issues come up or maybe you need to go on maternity or something like that. How mm-hmm. do you put your business into low power mode for a while so that you can pick it back up when you're ready to go again? Yeah. Uh, I, I think of, I think of from, from my own businesses that I've been a part of first thing that comes to mind is the content, right? Mm-hmm. Normally for all the businesses that we've done, it's like, there's a content schedule, there's a publishing calendar. Yep. And that is the thing that really like is the sort of the breath, the lungs that are that like the breathing of the business. It's right. like content out, content in, content out, like whatever. Right. Um, so that, 
that's what I think of first. Um, I think of my own YouTube channel and I just would want to have like at least a video a week going out there. Right. Right now I have three videos a week going out. It's just like, it's all I'm doing. So, uh, the, the uh, picking some sort of publishing count, if you have a content element, um, picking some sort of like a lower key version of content that you are comfortable doing like that is a way to go. Um, another way to go is it, not a way to go, but I mean a, a step, right? Another step is in maybe stepping off the blog and just onto Instagram. And it's just now we're, we're doing things over there because we've got some engagement over there. The challenge with that is like, then you're inevitably writing some post down the future. If you maybe, maybe not where you're just like, so it's been a long time since I've blogged here. <laughs> Here's what's right. been going on. You right. know what I mean? So to me, what's interesting in this conversation, and and first of all, just, just to say like uh, the grief thing, like grief is a hell of a drug and it is a, it is a, a body toxin, t- taxing, um, uh, a, a heavy thing that, that if you haven't experienced the loss, the like catastrophic loss of, of someone that you love it is like, it is definitely a new experience. And so if it's your first time going through that, just be mindful of your body and the lethargy will come. You know, you're just like, it's hard to move. It's hard to get out of bed for stuff, but you got to do things and there's confusion and like all this. It's like, it it just feels like you're dragging around a massive weight. And that weight really is, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, I always say grief is, is like the wisest teacher that I ever met. Um, there is a lot of wisdom in grief, a lot of wisdom that we've really, that we've really, we're not really well taught, uh, in our modern everyday life. So, um, I think you're asking the right question in how do I get my business into low power mode? Cause I've got other things going on and I hear in, in her forum thread around like, and I like to be contributing to the family's, you know, income, which makes me think maybe her income isn't like the main breadwinner sort of thing. Maybe mm-hmm. it is like a, and that gives me a sense of like, okay, cool. First of all, like just be free. Be totally free. Don't be afraid at all that you're not going to be coming back to this business. Just like go do you and do what needs to be done right now. If you have a sense of what, like if you didn't have any prior commitments, if everything burned up right now in terms of your business and all this other stuff, what would you spend your time on? Go do some of that. Go do some of that. Talk to your spouse or partner or whatever. If you are doing dual income stuff, like get to some sort of agreement there where it, everybody feels okay. Um, but like, if you feel like doing less of this, enjoy doing less of this. Don't do it with a guilty conscience. You know what I mean? Like, I just think there's a freedom in this that, um, that is precisely why we like working for ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Precisely why it's so useful to do this. Cause you can jump back on this horse anytime you have enough chutzpah to do it. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's the, just the reality of like being an employee somewhere is that it's really hard to take this kind of time off. Sure. You can take oh, some vacation yeah. or whatever, but the, totally. the business, you know, that you might work for is just not that understanding. So totally. running your own thing, um, can be amazing in this regard. There was a response here from Sheila who said that yes it can be done i'm a freelancer interior decorator whose home flooded in hurricane harvey 
Like many here in the Houston area, we have just emerged on the happy side of Harvey with a new home that's being remodeled and replacement furniture arriving finally. I slowed Mm. down for almost a year now. I cared Mm. for present clients as needed, but accepted no new projects. And my clients were super understanding, and now my business is beginning to roar back. Sometimes Mm. it's simply necessary. Take care of you. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I think a lot of times we're, we forget that clients and, and people that you work with are humans and, and they're understanding and they would want to be treated in a certain way if they were in a similar position. And, and sometimes right. just being open and honest with people is, goes a long way, you know, letting them know yeah. like, Hey, I'm not a flake. I just had this really terrible thing happened and I need some time to process it, you know? Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and to feel the freedom of that is exactly one of the privileges of, of doing our own businesses. Um, and so that was my, that's my first place is like, take some deep breaths, uh, and, and just realize your freedom and say, thank you for that and feel the gratitude of that and, and, and feel the possibility, like allow yourself to kind of like see possibilities. Don't feel painted into a corner, you know? Um, and then if you do have a content piece, like for instance, there is this fear that can come up or this, not a fear, like it can come as a fear, but maybe it comes as a concern like that. I actually want to keep this thing going without fully letting it, um, you know, skid out. Uh, then it's like a conversation about, okay, so what is the, what is the, like, what are the things that keep going in your business? So for a lot of us content people, it's just the content, mm-hmm. right? And so having a sort of uh, maybe a, a more lax publishing schedule, but something that like it, it has to be, you know, once a week or once every two weeks or, or whatever it is, um, th- just committing to that calendar and getting that figured out, like is, is really the, the meat and potatoes to me of that. Now, if you're doing client work, then it's a matter of like scaling back to just the one client that you like know you can you can do this with because sometimes work like that can be a nice break from that's like, true that's true know, that's something that stuff that um yeah i, I agree sometimes yeah. you you feel like working yeah you know it totally it totally can be like a nice break and you know we when we um kind of review these before we started going here one of the key concerns for me or for us i think is are you going to look back in a year and recognize that when, when this all happened, that it really signified the end of your business, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, Madeline's thinking about low power mode, which is great because you're kind of keeping some cycles running there so that when you're ready to pick it back up, it's not starting from a cold, you know, right. cold stop right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you don't go into it, like with that sort of intention, I think this this kind of thing can easily signify like the end. Like you don't realize right. it now, but you look back and you go, "Oh man, like all this stuff happened in my life and I just put that business to bed basically without ever yeah. being conscious of it." Right. So, right. you know, this low power mode thing, um I think if you're really serious about the business, then you probably do want to keep some cycles running there. Yeah. You know, even yeah. if you can only muster a couple of hours a week or whatever. Mhm. You know, and I go in a little bit of a different direction because because oftentimes I feel like it's exactly these kinds of things that like that kind of like and, and later on you realize like yeah that business really wasn't me that's yeah. why I wanted to put it on hold you sure. know what I mean so it's like it goes both ways it it, it can be a real blessing uh, 
in stopping you and it can be a blessing in in like forcing you to keep going through something that's hard and the only thing you know hindsight is 2020 like that's it like you're the one who gets to say if this movie of your life is good or not right yeah you're the only one you're the only one watching it (laughs) the way that you're watching it right and so it's really up to you um and so you get to do what you want you get to totally do what you want. And I think the hardest thing is to know what you want, what you want to do. Like you got to be, you got to be kind of calm and still and present with yourself to be able to know what you want. Right. Cause it's really easy in the context of, of life going haywire to just get less, to get like the opposite of still mm-hmm. to get very, very just fr- frenetic and frantic and sort of like just, uh, confused, you know, you put all this energy into one thing and then, oh no, I put too much energy over there. Now I don't have enough to go over here. And so you go over there and do that. And then you like, and years later or a year later, six months later, you look back and go like, why did I spend so much time on that project? I should have been working on that project. <laughs> right. You know, right. It's like, you kind of don't think very clearly sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I always think coming back to the, like, and grief is nothing if not like this, this endless, you know, black, lake in a, I always think that like my sadness always felt like a like a like I'm in a cave and then there's this like it's all dark and there's this massive lake in this cave and I don't know how far I can't see the edges of the walls or anything like that I don't really want to get in the water because just picturing scary. like where Gollum lived or something <laughs> kind of yeah a little uh, a little like that for sure but it was my cave and it was my sadness and it was like and I had to learn to kind of like make make nice and make peace with this and feel comfortable with it and not be so afraid of it all the time. And yeah. then, then I started to, to get a little like, not that I got away from it, just that it's like it, 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 you sort of integrate it a little bit. And so there is this stillness in grief that I really want her to be able to experience um, without feeling the guilt of leaving a business yeah. by the wayside. You yeah. know what I mean? There's like this guilt that comes with it. It's like, totally. And, and especially when you're sharing income with your spouse and it's like, so having those conversations um, and the expectations with the people in your life, first of all, the way that, where that matters, where the income question matters. And also the, the clients, if you're serving clients and stuff, the ones that matter, like really making sure that you're, you, you are telling the truth and you're sort of above board on all of that. Even if that means this client, like you take a break from them and, and they work up, work with someone else and they're not there for you when you get back. The question, I, I think, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like there'll be another client for you later on. It's true. Know? It's true. I mean, you, you know, can always like just, you'll yeah. go for it. I mean, it, you know, one, one approach is you can set this aside and if it really speaks to you six months from now or whatever, you know, three months from now, when you come back, then you can pick it back up again. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I went through my heavy duty grief stage, Corbett, I was, you, you allowed me to just like take the time that I needed before really coming back full time. I liked the work though. I came back like yeah. fairly early. Cause I was like, I need a little bit of this. Right. Because just like support, like it's just, it was just a different kind of a workout for yeah. me that I like a mental thing that I, that was helpful, you know? So, I mean, what a heavy topic to end on, but at the same time, life happens and that's what makes doing entrepreneurship, uh, this way so interesting is because like, yeah, you probably don't have some form somewhere that HR pulls out and goes like, all right, here's our grieving a friend policy. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. You're writing this yourself. Writing it yourself. And that, and that allows you to sort of dance this out to your own what rhythm that you're hearing. And so to feel the freedom of that is awesome. 
is really awesome. And, and to find wisdom in it is challenging. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, it, it requires some balance and, and, uh, hopefully hearing us talk about it has, has helped you get a little perspective on it yourself. And, um, and for anyone dealing with that sort of thing, you know, our hearts go out to you and, uh, yeah. Keep, and keep pushing on. And, uh, these are the kinds of conversations we're having every day in the fizzle forums. Yeah. Um, thank you for all of our members who are just amazing, pouring their hearts out, helping one another. Right. And, um, for those of you listening to this, if you've never checked out inside of fizzle, checked out our membership, uh, just head to fizzle.co slash try five and you can get a full first month plus for free. Um, right. come in, check it out and leave some discussion comments, watch our courses. We've got over 35 amazing courses in there, including the start a blog that matters that chase mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and, uh, just tons of good stuff, tons of fun. And you can even come on and talk to us live every Friday where we'll coach you through, um, business roadblocks and, and concerns and things that you're working on. Booyah. So fizzle.co slash try five is this five-week free trial thing that if you've never been inside of Fizzle, you you got to just check it out. When, pick like a five-week time when when you're going to get to like really focus on your business and strategizing what's next. And I recommend if you're a blogger or a podcaster, you get in there, you do the start a blog that matters, like first of all. And that's like a 13-week course. Like that, that, can, that can get you as deep as you want to go. And you can go really fast on that. You might be further along. And so you could, you could kind of... I recommend you watch every one of the videos and do all of the little uh, exercises or the, the actions that are necessary there, but a lot of them you might already have done. Um, but those, though, that course is killer for bloggers and podcasters. If you're like an other kind of entrepreneur, the Fizzle Roadmap is just like, it kind of takes you through what we think are the most essential courses in the most essential order, right? For every entrepreneur. So uh, highly recommend fizzle.co slash try five because it's five weeks for free. I mean, where, where you can't get five weeks of ice cream for free from any ice cream vendor. Oh, I would love that. You know, you can't get five. Where do you get five weeks of free things from anybody? Right? It's amazing. Yeah, it is so, amazing. Fizzle.co slash try five. And thanks for listening. This has been episode 281. You can get the show notes for this episode at fizzleshow.co slash 281. All right, y'all. Find care. Take care, serve hard, and dig in. We will talk to you next week on The Fizzle Shelf. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.